your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 485 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, I basically just wanted to take a look back at the month of November. I know we're kind of getting into December here. It's going to be uh, December 3rd when this episode drops. But I wanted to look at what was obviously a very successful month of no- November for the Rainers and just kind of uh, list my biggest takeaways from the month. Now, to begin with, the Rangers went 7-2-2 and in November. That's after losing uh, their first three games of the month, so they obviously turned things around really nicely there and have climbed in the standings as well. More on that in just a second. But, you know, as for what we're doing today, it's not, you know, a ranking or anything like that. It's just, like I said, some very casual takeaways from this month, much more positive things than bad things. I mean, it should be that way, considering that the Rangers just went 7-2-2 and uh, for the month. But, you know, before we get into that, let's do a quick standings check because it really is crazy uh, just how fast the Rangers have climbed here because for a while there, for pretty much what felt like the entire month of November, you had the Rangers in third place in the Metro Division. Now, they still technically are in third place. However, they have 31 points. They are tied for second place with the Carolina Hurricanes, and they have both played 21 games, and both the Canes and the Rangers are just two points behind the first place Washington Capitals. However, the Caps have played 23 games. So the Rangers and Canes, both two points back behind the Capitals, and uh, they both have two games in hand. So basically, uh, it's a long way of saying the Rangers control their own destiny. I mean, it's a little early to be talking about controlling your own destiny and needing help and all that kinds of stuff. But uh, yeah, the Rangers control their own destiny as far as getting into first place in this division. And as As far as the rest of the Eastern Conference, there is only one other team with more points than the Rangers. That would be the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are 17-6-1. But once again there, uh, the Leafs have played three more games than the Rangers have, and they are only four points ahead of them in the standings. So really, I mean, the Rangers... You know, once all these teams have played the same amount of games, it's at least possible that the Rangers uh, could have the best record in the Eastern Conference. It's pretty wild to talk about, but uh, they've been playing some great hockey, and they've got a lot of guys who are certainly at least meeting expectations, if not exceeding expectations. And that'll lead me in pretty nicely to uh, some of the takeaways that I wanted to get into here today. And at some point in this episode, probably near the end, uh, we'll also talk about uh, the month of December and just kind of go through the schedule and, you know, what the Rangers need to do to keep playing well and to keep winning games and to keep winning games, all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead, dive into the takeaways. Like I said, not a ranking, not a list or anything like that. Just random casual thoughts that I've had as the month progressed here. Uh, For starters, the Rangers are going to score some goals. I think at the beginning of this month, We all were probably at least a little bit worried because, you know, in the early parts of the season, of course, the season started uh, in the second week of October, the Rangers just weren't scoring any goals. And it's like, okay, what's going on here? And then you start thinking about all the offseason moves that the Rangers made and all this emphasis that they put on getting 
bigger and badder and tougher and grittier. And you guys know how it goes. I'll pick whatever adjective you want. We know that the Rangers' MO this offseason was to make this team uh, more physical and more difficult to play against. But then you start wondering, you know, when the Rangers aren't scoring goals at all in the start of the season, the first 10 games or so, you're starting to think to yourself, like, okay, did they kind of overdo it a little bit here? Did they go a little too all in on grit and nastiness and they did so at the expense of skill? And then you look at some of the players that left and guys that were on the start of this roster at the beginning of last season included Pavel Buchnevich. Now, as I've talked about on this podcast in the past, that really kind of feels like a necessary evil simply because the Rangers just weren't going to be able to pay Pavel Buchnevich what he was worth going forward, and so they made the trade that they had to make. But he's gone, obviously a very important part of the team, a very important part of the offense. And then you also had Colin Blackwell. Not that he's like a superstar or anything like that, but he did play uh, for a lot of games in a top six role last season and was something of a pleasant surprise for this team. And as crazy as this is to think about, at the beginning of last season, Tony D'Angelo was still on this team. It's crazy to think that because it feels like everything that happened with him happened like 10 years ago. Uh, but yes, it is a fact. Tony D'Angelo is on this team. So uh, yeah, I mean, you fast forward, you've lost three really important, really offensively talented players, and they're all gone now. And then you come into the start of this season, and the Rangers can't score a goal. But I think the more that you kind of watch this team and you see how they've uh, started obviously scoring goals at a much more respectable clip, something that you would uh, be much more uh, expecting the Rangers to do, you know, coming into the season, you think this team is going to score goals. And I think, you know, the biggest reason why they weren't scoring was simply the fact that there were a lot of new faces. You have a whole new coaching staff. You have a new general manager. I mean, not that that really affects that much on the ice, but still, it's a new face in the building. And you've got all these new players, and you're trying to figure out the line combinations, the defense pairings, the whole nine yards. It took a little while to get everybody settled and get everybody clicking with, you know, their line mates. But it seems like recently the Rangers have kind of um, settled into a lineup. And obviously, you know, the season progresses. There will be some adjustments. There will be some changes. It's inevitable. It always does happen. But you look at how everything is working right now, and it's kind of the old, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. And the Rangers have really figured out their goal-scoring woes, which was a serious, serious problem at the start of the season when they were basically relying on Igor Shesterkin to do just about everything. But you look at this team now, they're scoring goals, and I think it's definitely going to uh, continue that way, especially when you consider that some of these young players, uh, Capo Caco especially, are probably playing some of the best hockey that we've ever seen them play. I realize with guys like Lafreniere and Hedl and Gautier, they're not piling up points. I mean, I just named the third line there. They're not piling up points, but they do look dangerous, and it feels like they could break through at any minute. So I'm not nearly as worried about the goal-scoring situation as maybe I was at the start of the season. I'm sure a lot of you were as well. Uh, another takeaway that I have after watching Igor Shesterkin stand on his head for really the whole season, but also into the month of November here, is that he is firmly in the running for the Vesna this season. And it's crazy to think about because this is only his third season, and in a way, it's only his second season because that first year, he only played a handful of games and that didn't count as his rookie campaign. His rookie campaign was last year, but Igor Shesterkin, uh, however you want to look at it, second year, third year, whatever it might be, very young, very inexperienced, but somebody who absolutely has his name in the hat. And you could go by the stats or you could go by the eye test. You guys watch these games just like I do and you've seen this guy just do the impossible so many times this season. And you know, I, I mentioned in our last episode, this most recent game against the Flyers, Igor was great. I think he stopped like 33 or 34 shots, something around there, give or take, you know, a, a save in one direction or the other. But 
Again, I don't even think it was in his, in his top five best performances. I think Igor Shesterkin has been that good this season that that might not have even been in his top five. Uh, so he's been fantastic, and I will be really, really surprised at this point just based on everything he's done so far this season, what he's basically done since coming into the league, and what he's done in every other level of hockey, and where the expectations have been from the Rangers regarding Igor Shesterkin. Uh, I will be stunned if he's not in the mix, and potentially even uh, raising that Vezina trophy at the end of the season. And we will get into a couple other things in just a second here, some other big takeaways from the month of November. But first, I just want to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save? Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones or networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. And just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, kind of continuing this list of the uh, greatest takeaways, or the biggest takeaways, rather, from the month of November for the New York Rangers. And I think one of them, this kind of harkens back to Gerard Gallant and something he said in his introductory press conference. He said this just a couple of minutes into the press conference where he was introduced as the new head coach of the New York Rangers. He wants this to be the hardest working team in the league. Now, can I sit here and definitively 100% say that the Rangers outwork all 31 of the other teams in this league. I can't say that for sure, but I have a really, really hard time believing, you know, again, without seeing every single game on every single night from around the league, that there are a lot of teams that consistently put forth the kind of effort that the Rangers put forth. And that's not to say the Rangers go out there and skate circles around their opponents for 60 minutes every night. That's not to say that they completely dominate every single night. That's not to say that, you know, they haven't been caught a little bit flat-footed at times. You know, that's kind of a byproduct of being a young team. You know, that's happened as well, but I think for the most part, you watch this team and it becomes pretty apparent that these guys are competing hard every single night. And, you know, a great example of that and something that I talked about uh, maybe about a week ago or so, you look at the games that the Rangers have lost this year. And every single team that has defeated the New York Rangers is a good to very good team, with the lone exception being the the Vancouver Canucks, excuse me, because the Canucks have been really bad this season. I almost feel like they haven't won a game since they beat the Rangers on that night. Um, so the Rangers let one get away in Vancouver, but besides that one game, that one hiccup, you've not seen the Rangers lose to an opponent that is clearly inferior, and we're a quarter of the way through the season. So that's very impressive to see that this team brings it every single night. They don't play down to their competition. Once again, something that I think a young team could be susceptible to, you know, maybe playing down to comp the competition, at least on occasion, but it really just does not seem to happen with this team. And I think Gerard Gallant's uh, mandate that this is going to be the hardest working team in the league. Again, I can't sit here and definitively say, yes, number one hardest working team in the league, but they got to be up there. I mean, anybody that watches this team night in and night out, you can tell the compete level is basically always there. 
and it's reflecting in their record and where they are in the standings. So that's awesome to see. And sticking with Gerard Gallant for just a second here, I think, you know, coming into the season and one of the biggest reasons why I wanted the Rangers to hire Gallant, why he was my top choice once I realized that David Quinn was not going to be coming back, is that I think Gallant, pretty much everywhere he goes, it feels like he can just get the best out of any different kind of player, whether you're the ultimate superstar of your team, one of the best players in the world, or you're somebody who's a fourth liner, you know, healthy scratch kind of player. It just seems like he can uh, find a way to push the right buttons, whatever it might be, coach them up, say the right things to them, deliver the right message, stay on them if they need, you know, the coach to stay on them, throw his arm around a player who needs the coach to throw his arm around him every now and then. Whatever it is, it just seems like he gets the most from basically every single player on the roster. And you look at this Ranger roster right now, I challenge anyone to find me a player who is significantly underachieving. Now, some of you might point at Alexi Lafreniere simply because he was the number one overall pick last season. He came into the league with all this hype, but I do think we are seeing him play better hockey than he has played uh, up to this point in his NHL career. Like I said, that third line, it doesn't always show up in the score sheet, but I feel like far more often than not, uh, they do play good hockey, and they do have strong performances game to game. Alexi Lafreniere is one of them. You can maybe throw Philip Hedl in there as well. I know some people are waiting for Philip Hedl to take off. You know, it's his fifth year in the league now, and you just want to get a little bit more out of him. But I mean, look at guys like Dryden Hunt, a complete free agency afterthought. Someone that a lot of us have probably barely even heard of or not heard of at all. And Dryden Hunt, like, okay, yeah, sure, I guess we can bring him in. At least we're not paying him that much. And look at look at him now. He excelled so much on the fourth line that he's now up to the second line. And again, just a great example of Gallant getting the best out of a, an unheralded player and somebody who nobody was really talking about coming into the season. And on the other side of that, look at somebody like Chris Kreider. We all know the deal with Chris Kreider by now. This is somebody who is never going to be Mr. Consistent, or so we thought, because throughout his career with the Rangers, uh, up and down, up and down, up and down. You guys know how it is with him. It's peaks and valleys throughout the entire season. He's a beast for 10 games. He disappears for 10 games. Rinse and repeat. That's basically been the deal with Kreider. And we're finally seeing him uh, now at the age of 29, put it all together and just go out there and just play outstanding hockey every single game. Will he cool off at a certain point? Probably at least a little bit. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to stay that hot for 82 games, but it just seems like Gallant is getting the best out of Chris Kreider, and uh, we're seeing a career year against all probability from Chris Kreider. I mean, you look at I mean, you could look at Panarin. I feel like I could be the coach and Panarin would still go out there and uh, do what he does. Uh, kind of the same thing for Mika Zibanejad. You see Capo Caco, though, really his confidence is growing. His coach didn't give up on him. He left him in a top six role for basically the entire season, despite the struggles. And now Caco certainly playing the best hockey that we've ever seen him play. Uh, you know, guys like Kevin Rooney. Rooney's playing some great hockey. You look at the defenseman. I mean, Fox is better than ever. I mean, that might have happened anyway because he's just a phenomenal player, and I think we all know that. Ryan Lindgren's been fantastic. Keandre Miller's been solid. Jacob Truba really playing some strong hockey recently. So, again, you know, there's examples up and down the lineup of guys who are, you know, giving you more than you would have expected. And that, to me, is the sign of good coaching. A coach who knows how to, again, push the right buttons and just pull the best out of every single player on his roster. Another big takeaway for me is that the Rangers finally have a fourth line that looks and plays and acts and feels like a fourth 
line because these guys have been fantastic this season. And I realize, you know, there have been a couple of players that have kind of come and gone as far as the fourth line is concerned. As it's currently constructed, you've got Barclay Goodrow centering Kevin Rooney and Ryan Reeves. Obviously, Dryden Hunt started the season on the fourth line. We saw great McKeg mix in there a little bit as well. I think all five of those guys I just named have been giving you the kind of hockey that you want to see fourth liners play. Uh, they tend to spend a lot of time in the attacking zone. They wear down the opposing team's forwards. They are very physical. They hit. They are the ideal line to put out there after a goal has been scored, as I've been saying on this podcast. Um, they seem to possess the puck very well. A lot of these guys are big parts of the penalty kill, Rooney and Goodrow in particular. Ryan Reeves, I realize he's only been in one fight this season, but he certainly has a presence, and you know if there's trouble, uh, the dude's not going to hesitate to drop his gloves. And so, you know, a lot of Rangers on the team have, have been talking about in interviews about how, you know, they're they feel free to kind of like puff out their chest a little bit more just knowing that Ryan Reeves is on their team. So even if he's not fighting every single night and really just fighting sparingly, um, Reeves has definitely made an impact on this team as well. So again, you've got a gritty, tough, hardworking, physical fourth line this season rather than just in seasons past where it's guys who were just kind of there or guys who were miscast as fourth liners. You know, we saw last season Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere at different times play on the fourth line. Never was a big fan of that. Uh, Julian Gauthier, I think, once in a while was on the fourth line last season. He is not a fourth liner. If you're going to have Gauthier in your lineup, you got to get him into the top nine. So, uh, yeah, can't say enough about the job that that fourth line has done. And uh, it's nice to, once again, just have a fourth line that actually looks and acts and plays like a fourth line. And we're going to keep this list going in just a second here, a couple more takeaways from the month of November. But first, I just wanted to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is also brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. You friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars into those stockings. With so many flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Tastes so good, you won't believe they're filled with protein. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Here's another big takeaway, and I don't want to jinx anything for sure, and I realize you know we are only a month and a half into the season here, and there's still a long way to go and all that good stuff, 
But when you look at the NHL right now and you look where the Rangers are in the standings and you look at how well they've played recently, I think a takeaway that I have after watching this team in November, it certainly seems like a sustainable uh, model for success that the Rangers have put together. You know, they can score, they can defend, they got a phenomenal goalie. There's a lot to like about this team. And so the takeaway is that the Rangers are going to be buyers at the trade deadline. And again, there are no guarantees. We are at the start of December here. The trade deadline is March 21st, so we got a little bit more than three and a half months until the trade deadline gets here, and obviously things can change. But if things stay anywhere near what they're at right now, then the Rangers are going to be looking to add rather than than subtract at the trade deadline, which is just going to be a breath of fresh air, I think, for all of us Ranger fans, quite frankly, because you know for a while there, and they did what they had to do. Look, they had to do the whole tear down, rebuild, start from scratch. They did that. They laid a new foundation, all that good stuff. But we saw, you know, the fire sale at the deadline the one year and then fire sale 2.0. And was there even a fire sale 3.0? I mean, it just blends together after a while. It just seems like we've spent a lot of time kind of retooling and trying to set this team up for success in the future. Now this team is having success. And now when the trade deadline rolls around, instead of, you know, looking to trade veterans for draft picks and prospects and whatever, you now are in a position where you might be looking to actually add a player that makes this team better, which is going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, we did an episode not too long ago where I took a look at some preliminary potential trade targets for the New York Rangers, guys that I think might already be on the market given their respective team's lack of success thus far this season. And I've heard from a couple of you as well. And we'll talk a little bit more about this at the end of the episode. But I'd like to invite anybody, no matter what idea you might have, If you have an idea for a trade for the Rangers, as far as adding somebody, if there's a target out there that you want to see this team go after, definitely let me know about it, and uh, I could even talk about that in a future episode. And like I said, we'll discuss that more at the end of the episode. I'll provide some of the finer details. But let's move on to the next takeaway from November, and that is going to be that the Rangers have made a lot of enemies, and it's basically through no fault of their own, because think about it. Coming into the season... Uh, Tom Wilson was public enemy number one for the Rangers, for the fans, for the front office. I mean, nobody likes Tom Wilson, let's be honest here, unless you're a Caps apologist. Oh, sorry, I mean Caps fan. But, you know, you had Tom Wilson coming into the season, and obviously things are still not cool between the Rangers and him. Then you get Brad Marchand acting up. Or actually, let's start with P.K. Subban, because those are kind of the big three. P.K. Subban, slew-footing the entire league. Nothing happens to him because of it. He gets Ryan Reeves in the preseason, causes Reeves to have, a, have to miss a couple of games. He ends Sammy Blaze's season in the regular season with another slew-foot. He had two other slew-foots between that. So, uh, And by the way, while I was completing that sentence, P.K. Subban added another two slew-foots. So he's now up to six. But no, in, in all seriousness, four slew-foots from P.K. Subban this season. And uh, you got to believe the Rangers sooner or later, the receipt is coming for him. And Brad Marchand, I mean, it's basically just been S escalating and escalating between the Rangers and Marchand. I mean, to begin with, he's somebody that I don't think if you're if you're a Bruins fan, you probably don't like the guy. And you know, he had everything that happened. He cross-checked Ryan Lindgren in the back last season. And then Pavel Buchnevich cross-checked uh, Marchand. Marchand's helmet pops into the air. Marchand's always kind of had this side rivalry going on with Lindgren uh, pretty much ever since Lindgren came into the league. Marchand had those comments about him after the game. And then, of course, this season, uh, you know, bringing Panarin's nationality into everything and, uh, you know, the glove-throwing incident. And uh, Marchand actually himself just got suspended three games for a slew foot. So, yeah, Wilson, Marchand, Subban. 
Uh, the Rangers have a lot of guys that are kind of in their crosshairs right now, and it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens the next time the Rangers play the Caps, the Bruins, and the Devils. I mean, those are interesting matchups to begin with, but you add the fact that all of those players play for those teams, and uh, yeah, it becomes must-see TV. Another thing, and I won't spend too much time on this one because I kind of already hit on it when I was talking about Gerard Gallant, but there are a lot of overachievers on this roster right now, and the guys that really stand out for me at least, Dryden Hunt, Kevin Rooney, Julian Gauthier. Uh, with Gauthier, I mean, you could say he's a former first-round pick and he hasn't lived up to that yet, and you're not wrong about that, but when you came into this season, it was kind of looking like Julian Gauthier was going to be on the outside looking in. I just didn't, and I like Gauthier, but I didn't see what his role was going to be on this team or how he was even going to crack the lineup. Obviously, you know, Blake gets injured, Kravtsov does what he does, he's back in Russia, and now Gauthier has this kind of second lease on life, third lease on life with this Ranger team. I don't even know what it would be, but uh, thus far making the most out of it. Kevin Rooney, uh, just a blue-collar player, and and Dryden Hunt, you know, achieving, overachieving. I think that's just the best way I can describe that. You know, I'd throw Ryan Lindgren in there as well, but at this point, we're used to seeing Ryan Lindgren play great hockey. And if we got to this point in the season and Ryan Lindgren was doing anything other than playing rock-solid hockey for this team night in and night out, that would be a far bigger surprise than anything else. So I, I can't even really include Lindgren in there, but there are some overachievers on this Ranger team right now. Something else that really kind of stood out for me in the month of November and really the whole season and something that I really like is that players on this team are rewarded for playing well and they are, I don't want to say punished, but they are challenged if they play poorly. And this is something that I used to think went without saying, but I'm a Yankee fan. More on that in just a second as well. I'm not going to switch sports on you guys for too long, but I do want to just kind of compare and contrast the way the Rangers do things with the way that the Yankees do things. So I, I just mentioned, you know, players get rewarded. Dryden Hunt plays well this season. He's rewarded with a spot in the top six. Julian Gauthier has recently played well. He's rewarded by being able to get into the lineup pretty much every single night. Igor Shosturkin has been outstanding, and Alex Georgiev has struggled, and you see kind of the uh, the, the scale kind of tipping in Shosturkin's favor. I think certainly coming into the season, most of us would have expected Igor to get the majority of starts anyway, but it's been by quite a uh, vast margin, so... Yeah, obviously Gallant reacting to Igor playing well and Georgiev scuffling a little bit. And, you know, we'll hope that Georgiev can turn it around. But I just like this, you know, call me crazy. I just like the concept of rewarding players for doing well and, um, you know, challenging players that aren't doing so well. And again, an example of the other side of that, we saw Alexi Lafreniere scuffle a little bit at the start of the season. He had a game where he was kind of invisible, uh, just wasn't really as engaged as he could or should be. And we saw Gerard Gallant, you know, publicly call him out. Didn't go crazy about it, but just enough to challenge Lafreniere. And then, in the next game, Lafreniere was on the fourth line, and I'm not a big fan of that, but it was just one game, and Lafreniere's back on the third line since then, and I think he's played well since, uh, you know, he was challenged there. Another example of that is Nils Lundqvist. Now, he's gradually getting better, seems to be gradually getting more and more accustomed to the NHL level, but we've seen him being taken out of the lineup a couple of times this season as well. When he hasn't played well, uh, we see Jared Tenorti out there, so I don't know. Call me old-fashioned or whatever, but I just like this concept. You reward players when they do well. And guys who aren't doing so well, they have to suffer the consequences of that. And to compare that to the Yankees this past season, don't even get me started on their, you know, offseason. And again, I don't want to talk about them for too long because uh, if you guys want that, you can go to Locked On Yankees. They do an absolutely phenomenal job over there. They're doing a great job covering the offseason here. But I just have to make this comparison. When you watch the Yankees, there's a lot of things that drive you crazy from this past season. But for me, more than anything, it was the fact that not a single player on that team was ever held accountable for anything that they did. You watch Glaber Torres just, I mean, 
completely out to lunch in the field, kicking the ball all over the place, not hustling on plays where he could beat out an infield hit, you know, just jogging down the line half speed. You watch Aaron Hicks at the start of last season. There was a game where he was just kicking the ball all over the place in center field. It was so obvious that this guy just did not have his head in the game. And the fact that he wasn't benched for this for just you know, being completely nonchalant, completely out to lunch was just mind-boggling to me. And I just hate the fact that when you watch the Yankees, no one ever gets rewarded for playing well. No one ever gets punished for playing bad and for a lack of effort. I think another great example of that with the Yankees last season, Tyler Wade. Tyler Wade, you know, we know that he's fast and everything, and he's got all this speed. And of course, now he's on the Angels. He's got all this position versatility. They wouldn't put him into the starting lineup no matter what, despite the fact that he's got a great glove and actually started to hit a little bit last season. So I just hated the fact with the Yankees that there was zero accountability for bad play, and guys that played well did not get rewarded for it. And it's the opposite with the Rangers, because you can help your own standing on this team simply by playing well. Crazy concept, I know, but it's one that I really like. And one final takeaway for you guys here today, and of course there are others, you guys I'm sure have your own takeaways, but these are just ones that kind of came to my mind, you know, basically throughout the month and as I was getting ready for this episode here. But to me, a big takeaway watching the Rangers is that you can tell this is a very, very close-knit bunch. These guys have each other backs. They watch out for each other on the ice. Uh, you know, if there's a lighter moment in the game, they'll be kind of laughing on the bench. Guys kind of pump each other up. You know, we've seen uh, a good example is Ryan Strom kind of keeping Capo Caco's head up and, and making sure he stays engaged and stays in the game. And look at Caco now. Uh, these guys pick each other up. It seems like they really care about each other. And that goes a long way. I mean, I, I don't care what all the analytics say. You will never convince me that in a sport like hockey, baseball, or really anything else, the team chemistry doesn't does not matter. It's very, very important. These guys, again, they really care about each other. There's guys on this team that I'm convinced just watching them interact with each other. Uh, you know, Kreider and Mika, that's a great example. Those guys are going to be friends for life long after their playing days are done. And that's just really, really cool to see. It makes a team that much more likable, that much more fun to root for. And it, as a fan, you know, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it gives me more of an emotional connection to this Ranger team. I can say without any hyperbole whatsoever, this is one of my favorite Ranger rosters that's ever been put together. And there are guys that were on the team last year, guys that were on the team two years ago, who I do miss. There's got to be some guys that leave in the offseason this season that I will miss too, I'm sure. You know, every team has at least some turnover, but this is a ton of fun. This is just a very, very likable group. And, uh, you know, hey, here's to uh, the last three quarters of the season because this has been a blast so far, uh, watching these games with you guys, interacting with you guys, cheering on this this awesome New York Ranger team. It's just a group that you really want to see succeed. And uh, that goes double when you see how much these guys care about each other, how much they have each other other's backs, and how much they believe in each other. So... Yeah, that'll pretty much do it for today. I definitely want to save that one for last. I know I mentioned that we'll look ahead to December. We'll save that for a future episode. We'll get to that uh, probably in the next one. Uh, the only other thing I want to mention here before we call it a day, I got an email from Eddie. Eddie always, uh, it's always great talking, talking some hockey with Eddie. You know, we check in with emails every now and then, you know, just uh, line combination ideas, trade ideas, whatever it might be. Uh, I do that with a lot of you guys, actually, but Eddie, Eddie always reaches out and, um, you know, I did the episode not too long ago where I listed some potential trade targets, guys who could be available on the trade market either now or a little bit later in the season. Eddie came back with a list of, I think, like four or five guys that he was hoping that the Rangers would trade for. I'm not going to list them now. What I'm going to do, I'm going to put it to you guys. If anybody out there is listening to this and you would like to, again, kind of just flow an idea for somebody that the Rangers could target in a trade, have at it. Send an email to me, DM me on Twitter, 
do whatever you got to do, uh, and, and, and tell me why as well, because I could read it on a future episode of Lockdown New York Rangers. Don't feel like you have to write an essay or anything. You know, a sentence or two or three will be just fine, uh, but I think that could be a lot of fun, and that's something that we could do on kind of a monthly basis. It's just kind of, uh, you know, as the season progresses here, just kind of look at where the Rangers stand, who they could be interested in trading for, and uh, yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to hear from you guys as well. Even if it's a little bit out there, a little bit over the top, Hey, listen, we've seen the Rangers do some crazy things. We've seen some crazy trades in sports. We've seen some wild transactions that we didn't think was going to happen, whether it's the Rangers or, you know, I mentioned the Yankees earlier, any other team in sports. It can be for the better or for the worse, but we've been surprised in the past. We'll be surprised in the future. So uh, no trade idea is too crazy. (laughs) Go ahead and send them my way. And uh, yeah. That will pretty much do it for today. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, like I said, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about whatever goes down in the next two Ranger games uh, against the Blackhawks and the Sharks. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms.